Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere. We find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every weekend. I'm and I'm joined by a man who's still paying for therapy bills from that national championship game, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? A, a difficult, uh, when you think back on this series history, we're going to talk Texas, Alabama, a difficult place to leave it last, though we were all optimistic that Garrett Gilbert was going to get us back to, you know, a couple more national championships after how that one ended. Uh, the, Colt McCoy, what a hero. Uh, just a couple days after his birthday now, but happy birthday, Colt. Uh, we love you. We know you would have won that game. Just as all Obama players do. Greg McElroy said it on TV that if Colt McCoy doesn't leave that game, Texas. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine living in that world. But as you may have figured out, if you haven't, uh, if you don't know what we're previewing this week, I'm not sure how you got to this podcast, but welcome. I know every podcast is somebody's first podcast, so we're glad to have you with us. We are previewing. The Alabama Crimson Tide heading to town, number one team in the country, a team that has been on opposite trajectories of Texas since that national championship game, really since Colt McCoy's uh, collarbone. One team went on a run of 12 really incredible years, winning several national championships and cementing Nick Saban as the greatest college football coach. I'll just go and say it of all time. The other team, Texas, is now on its third coach and hoping that third time is the charm with new coaches getting it right. Maybe we'll see uh, a proof of concept game on Saturday. Alabama is the juggernaut we all thought they were, shellacking Utah State 55 to nothing. That's what happens when you have probably three Heisman Trophy contenders on your team, maybe four, depending, probably two on each side of the ball, uh, depending on who you ask, uh, but at least three, and I'll go ahead and justify that here in a minute. But uh, they just absolutely demolish Utah State and there, there's this kind of conversation happening amongst Texas fans where there are people that are, you know, just the, you know, the, the Texas fans, the Texas fanatics, right? And they're, you know, Texas is going to win by three scores. Texas is going to absolutely dominate them, blah, 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 blah. And then there's like the other side of folks where like, you know, Texas is going to lose this game by three scores and blah, 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 blah. And Kyle and I always try to split the difference where we are fans. Like we, we are cheering. Kyle's going to be in DKR on Saturday. I will be on my couch. My kids will be crying and whining about wanting to watch Curious George. We're watching football kids. It's Saturday. Deal with it. We are fanatics and we want to see Texas win by three scores, but we all are also here uh, to talk about the actualities of the game. And so uh, keep that in mind as we discuss. But I think from your perspective, Kyle, just going into the game from a 30,000 foot view, like what are your expectations for Saturday? Like where's your head at as you think about what we're going to see against Alabama? You know, I I have never yearned for Tom Herman to be the coach of Texas football since he left. But remembering just the way that he seemed to conjure magic against 
great teams uh, be able to get his team up for basically one game playoff, whether it's bowl games, his time at U of H against big teams at Texas, you know, the way he could conjure his, his downfall was that he couldn't do it week in, week out. But for a big game, you knew a Tom Herman team was going to be within a touchdown. Like they may win by a touchdown, they may lose by a touchdown, but they're going to be pretty darn close to even to whoever walks and lines up across them. Admittedly, he didn't have to play Alabama, who I, I, I think it's likely that Alabama may finish every game this year without a team, you know, two scores uh, close to them. They're that good. Um, but there's a lot for Sark to, to prove that Texas can get up for that level of opponent, right? I think um, I want to see Texas compete four quarters, every, every play, every drive. You're going to make mistakes. They're going to sack you. They're going to have elite defensive backs who, who pounce on your mistakes. You know, they, they, they have a quarterback who's going to make you look silly. I want to see Texas compete, make it a game when they get punched to the mouth to turn around and throw some punches on their own, right? Like if they keep this one close into the fourth quarter and it's, it's trading things back and forth. I think we're all going to feel pretty good about this. And the rest of the country is going to feel not, not too great. The fact that Texas can, can go blow to blow. Cause like I said, I mean, look, is this a 20 point spread for, for Bama? Are they, you know, three scores better than Texas? Maybe they might be, but is it also the fact that Bama is going to be favored and, or at least end the game, 14 points better than pretty much every team they line up against. I really genuinely believe that. So don't doom and gloom our season where we're at, of course, but, you know, can Texas hang? Do you get out of the first quarter and say, all right, let's see what happens? Or, or is it pretty immediate and often that, that Alabama establishes what having, you know, depth at every position, five stars, next man up, elite transfers when you're already one of the best teams in the country, just going and murdering the transfer portal as well, just just building an absolute dynasty. Is that too much for Texas where we're at as we're in, you know, year two of a new regime, of a roster overhaul, of, a, of an identity rebuild? Is it too much or, or can Texas... Can Texas rise to the occasion? I think about this game like, and this is going to be a deep cut, a weird cut because I'm a movie guy. The what I like to call fifth or actually sixth canonical Rocky Rocky Balboa movie, Rocky Balboa, where he's <laughs> talking to his son played by uh, Jack Pearson, Milo Ventimiglia from the, all those you know romantic comedies or whatever. Um, but he gives this speech about uh, life and like his philosophy of life. And my mindset about this game and what I want to see from Texas about this game is summed up by the line, it's not how hard you get hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And for me, that is what I want to see from Texas. Because Bama is going to come out, and they're going to kick you in the freaking teeth. No two ways around it. Bama's going to kick you in the teeth. Nick Saban is pissy because he lost to not one, but two assistants last year. So Dark Saban is activated. He is on. They are Darth Vader. They are Michael Myers. They are Freddy Krueger. That is who Bama, that's Bama's mode this year and so what I want to see from Texas especially a young Texas team that wants to and has goals of playing for a conference championship in Dallas how hard can they get hit and keep moving how hard can they get hit and respond what's the body language like do they come back out does does a mistake happen do they is there an interception thrown is there a fumble thrown is there a missed tackle is there a missed assignment what are the shoulders like on the sideline what are the heads like on the sideline are they coming out to throw another punch or are they coming out to just try to get through the game because we've seen the latter a lot from texas especially in years past and that is the culture shift that we need to see from Texas if they're going to get back to Dallas. And if Texas is ever going to be, air quotes, back, that is the culture shift. That is the culture, air quotes, that a lot of what we what we talk about needs to change is what is the body language when things don't go right? 
Do they clinch up and say, oh, no, here we go again? Or do they put their big boy pants on? Do they let them swang a little bit and say, you know what? That sucked, but I'm going to go back out there and I'm going to hit them back in the teeth. And that's what I want to see from Texas in this game. That's what I'm hoping for when they line up between the chalk on or air quotes <laughs> between the chalk on Saturday is how hard can they get hit and keep moving? Yeah, 100 percent. And, um, you know, there's going to be a lot asked of players who are um still finding their way, right? A lot of freshmen on the offensive line, a lot of, you know, playmakers who are young. Can they make plays? And, and how much will Texas, at what point will Texas ultimately say, we're a decent run blocking team. They are the best pass rushing team in the country, bar none. Uh, we have a freshman quarterback. Let's try to, you know, let's try to use the run to set up passes down the way and just feed Bijan Robinson, our best player. You know, the guy, the one guy on our team who we know for a fact could, switch jerseys and, and, and start for the other team, right? I, I, I don't know if, if there is a second player that is a home run for sure. And that's, that's a tough thing to say. Um, we're trying to be realistic here, right? I think there, there's some upside guys on Texas as a defense, um, some young guys for sure who Alabama wouldn't mind having. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't have good players, but if you're talking on this game on Saturday, the amount of players that if we're doing a, uh, a, a backyard uh, draft that Alabama is, is picking from Texas before their own guy, uh, I, it may begin and end with, with, with Bijan. Maybe, maybe Jatavian Sanders if he's as good as advertised in week one. Um, but uh, the game plan will be interesting. I think Sark has the billing I think back to the game that that Steve Sarkeesian had as the head coach of a Washington team that was coming off a winless season he had number three USC coming in and he had coached with and for Pete Carroll for years had a lot of respect he talked about in his presser like that was an interesting that was when USC were gods and they were untouchable right he took that game like he he, he went in and, and snatched it right they and they took a, a punch in the mouth his Washington team that was not as talented they couldn't stop the the run that USC was doing in the beginning but they responded and Steve Sarkeesian being the guy who can do things with scheme on the offensive side of the ball that defenses aren't gonna see any other times in a given year right you, you don't have other coaches who are testing you in that way can he still bring a sparkling pristine game plan enough to make this thing interesting and can the defense give enough to go with that that even if we are able to muster 28 35 I, 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 that defense is so good I don't think we're getting more than that points can the offense or can the defense keep the, the really good Bama offense right because because we know how good their defense is but they do have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner at, at quarterback so uh, there is a at every point that there is a chance to be optimistic because we love Texas and we, we want them to be. So there is a, a tonic from what Bama can actually do. And I wonder if the X factor is Bijan Robinson, who truly is, you know, an NFL talent has a chance to cement himself as an all time longhorn. If he is able to go out and do something this week and Steve Sarkeesian's, you know, offensive acumen, like if those two things truly are the transcendent pieces of this Texas Longhorn football team, we're going to need to see it on Saturday. Yeah, and so let's let's just dive into what Bama brings to the table, right? They're they're coming off a massive win over Utah State, was never in doubt, uh, and it was led by the man under center, the reigning uh, Heisman quarterback winner, Bryce Young, eighteen to twenty eight for one hundred ninety five and five touchdowns added in five carries for 107 yards and a score he led the charge um hit Treshawn holden for 70 and two and jermaine burton for 35 and two kobe prentice was in the middle there five receptions 60 yards but no touchdowns and and 
this is a Bill O'Brien offense. So also, I hope this is like the Bill O'Brien screw up game. Like that's really what I hope for. That's what happened against A and M last year. Is like Bill O'Brien is right. is liable to have one to seven duds every year, and so hopefully this is one of his duds. But the, it seems like Alabama. I don't know if it's through design, but is is really putting a lot on the shoulders of Bryce Young this year. And obviously, he's the best player in the country or reigning from the Heisman Trophy. But you've got a guy like Jameer Gibbs back there who only had nine touches comparatively. So it seems like the offense is running through Bryce Young for better or for worse. And so for Texas, shutting down a mobile quarterback once again is going to be a challenge uh, for a defense that in the past, uh, they, they looked better against ULM, but against ULM, big jump to Bama from ULM, uh, but has in the past struggled to set an edge, maintain an edge, and keep mobile quarterbacks from going off and doing whatever they wanted through the air or the ground. That's the that's the thing defensively that I'm looking at for Texas is like, what is, is Bryce Young able to have another 65% and five touchdown game? Yeah, I mean, look, last season he, he completed 67%. So I guess it's down from, you know, against Utah State from where he was last year. So um, I, that could be a combination. Look, Alabama is always going to have talent in the receiver room. They just always will. That's new Bama. They're going to get guys. But they've had, you know, six players drafted since 2019, five in the first round. The other guy was a second rounder, poor guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- that's hard. It's hard to sustain that, right? They, but they are, they are going to have to bleed some new guys in there a little bit. Um, and maybe that means Bryce Young doesn't have that telepathic vision with them. Young only had seven interceptions last year, but is a guy who doesn't shy away from tight windows. So maybe can, can Texas secondary uh, make a play? Can they jump one of those, right? You know, where he tries to squeeze it in and, and he's had luck in the past, but he throws what, you know, if I'm an NFL GM scouting him, says that's a slightly risky ball. You have the talent to do it, of course, but a slightly risky ball. Can Texas make him pay on any of those, get a turnover? Uh, it would be interesting to see. The rushing yards is very interesting, right? Like Young has always looked athletic. He's a high school point guard. We know, you know, he he, he can always run the floor. He knows what's going on, but but his his... I think by design, Alabama kind of kept him from running, kept him in the pocket, kept him from moving too much. Five carries for 100 yards, 107, uh, and a touchdown against Utah State is not what you expected to see. So is that necessity um, or is that, you know, a wrinkle that is being added because maybe they're they're both the running back, though he's talented in, in uh, Jameer Gibbs, as Gerald mentioned, or the receivers are just newer to the system and so – that's a sure thing. I know I can run this ball. Or, you know, is it, it, it'll be curious. It'll be curious to see what that looks like on Saturday against Texas. But it is. it shows he has the ability to do it, something we hadn't really, truly seen a bunch of, though he was really fluid in the pocket, haven't really seen him, you know, peel back and, and just take off. Um, so just one more thing, I guess, for Texas to keep an eye on uh, on top of everything. But the interesting thing is Jameer Gibbs – what what take this for what you will right there's a bunch of alabama coaches and uh including you know grad assistants on the staff who are familiar with that system but jameer gibbs is a, a guy who came from georgia tech who was coached by Deshard choice last year so not that, that gives any specific insight uh but you know it is a is a former coach against you know alabama's <laughs> top running threat uh so it'll be interesting there's a lot of knowledge between these two teams of what they can do what they want to do um will there be any x factor some hidden things that neither has shown that they've held back for this week two matchup. Bama's coming off a, a, a week where they were averaging or you know, had almost four line yards per rush. They were in the open field four and almost four and a half yards per rush. And so it's a big um, it's a big ask for this Texas defense that hasn't really been tested very much. They return a lot of snaps from a year ago along that offensive line. Uh, but but 
As we talk about a lot, not all experience is good experience. Now, at Bama, it usually is, but last year's Bama offensive line was honestly one of the worst offensive lines we've seen from them in a very long time. Now, they've cycled the offensive line coach because of that, because you get one year with Nick Saban and your head's on the chopping block. But this is a team that had to double Byron Vaughn's former Texas Longhorn, transferred out to Utah State. They double-teamed in the entire game. He's probably an NFL-ish talent. He'll probably have a cup of coffee somewhere, but like... I think if Texas can get experimentative and get exciting what they do with DeMarvin Overshown, get fun and exciting what they do with Barrett with Baron Sora. And again, we saw vanilla offense and vanilla defense against ULM. So there's a lot of wrinkles left in this defense that Pete Kwiatkowski and Gary Patterson have been scheming up for apparently three months, according to Steve Sarkeesian. Like there's a lot in there for Texas to do. Uh, and hopefully they can introduce a wrinkle or two uh, that, that helps them and, and creates just enough space for the defense to make a play and just enough doubt for Alabama uh, on the offense. I will be very curious to see if an undersized DeMarvian overshone with the game we saw him and the, the where he's playing right now, just, you know, he, he is a threat out there in the edge. If he can step up against a big, you know, Kyle Flood recruited all those guys. He likes big offensive linemen, big line, you, you know, Vaughn's is an undersized guy in some respect as well, but just, you know, instinctive, knows how to, to win the point of contact. Can, can Overshone do that? Or, you know, is it, is it Ovi who's going to have a chance to, to make a play against their line? Is it, you know, is it going to be, uh, is it going to be Sorrel again? Is he, is he, you know, really truly our edge threat where we can do that, where we can, you know, get in the backfield and disrupt the, the running game that they, they will have. But this is a pass first offense, right? It's hard to think about Alabama that way. This is a, fir- a pass first offense. So will they be able to, to just, rattle the the reigning Heisman uh in in Bryce Young will they have the talent I think they have the size in the middle to honestly hang with with Bama I don't think Coburn or Sweat are give anything to a Bama line right that will be as big an interior as they see against any team in the SEC so Texas you're good there can they make plays can they hold up in the center and then can you do something uh from from the edge or 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 with with blitzes or whatever it is um you know just to disrupt enough right like can, can you keep them below 40 points? Can you can you keep them in the 30s? If they can do that, they, there is a chance they can make this a game. And again, I think all you need to do against this kind of team, and we saw it with AM last year, is keep it close, right? You keep it close and see what it does. And again, I think the defense has shown enough progression from year to year that they've got an opportunity to do that. Now, will the offense be able to do enough? That's a separate question. So we mentioned in the opening to, to the preview that uh, Bama has at least two, if not three or four uh, Heisman contenders. Uh, the guy who should have won the Heisman last year, Will Anderson, still on that defense, best player in the country. Uh, if you ask anybody that knows what the heck they're talking about, Will Anderson led the nation in sacks a year ago. Uh, a pedestrian day for him against uh, Utah State, probably because they threw nine people at him every play, uh, but five tackles, one sack, and one quarterback hurry. Uh, the other problem with Will Anderson is that Dallas Turner is the other guy on that defense and he would be Will Anderson if Will Anderson wasn't there, right? So this is a defense that has multiple first round edge rushers on it. It's a defense that has multiple first round defensive backs on it. And so while I think the Texas defense can do enough and get and get shifty enough to really give Texas a shot, my biggest concern is what is Will Anderson going to do against Kelvin Banks? What is uh, Dallas Turner going to do against Christian Jones? Like that has been the thing that's kept me up 
at night since we started thinking about this game. It's like, what is that edge for Alabama going to do against these Texas uh, off these young Texas offensive linemen? And what will Quinn Ewers do when the inevitable happens? When when Will Anderson is laying on top of him, how is Quinn Ewers going to respond the next play? Yeah, and and you remember from our Alabama preview, and I've heard this from other top college football minds, is that Bama really likes on on true, you know pass rushing third and whatever downs bringing in outside linebacker former five-star Chris Braswell saying that he's you know could be the next Will Anderson as well right Dallas Turner got thrust into playing as a freshman last year and did his eight and a half sacks he got them all in the last seven games of the season he seemed to kind of pick it up uh, towards the end of the season as he really learned it he's now a sophomore he's experienced and if they have those three guys I mean that's three of probably the five best edge rushers in the country I'm not exaggerating they are phenomenal um I don't know that any team has an answer for that. Uh, again, it, it's scheme. It's can you run the football? It's can you get the ball out of viewers' hands quickly? Um, can you scheme up something with with you know uh, that eye distraction enough to let receivers get downfield actually on your deep routes to take those shots so that you can you know misdirect or something or, or you know chip with a tight end and hope you double team the right guy uh, and 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 get the ball down the field right so it's it's going to be a lot of scheme. So I said that it's 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 Sark uh, and Bijan earning their money this week, but yeah, Will Anderson is 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 truly like if he's not a I, I don't know that I've ever been as confident saying anything, Podstradamus uh, included on this podcast as if Will Anderson isn't a top three pick in the draft next year, something you know catastrophic has happened. Both um, of his legs have fallen off. Correct, right? Like <laughs> and he, he he's he is the real deal. Um, but you know they they have talent all over um it, I, I mean you you can look at their their defensive line and, and they have byron young who's good right the dj dale and justin uh i think it's pronounced uh boise um are T- tim smith are all guys who would play on texas's team today or you know most big 12 teams they're just they're, they're really really good to go with what they have there they have good linebackers they're returning they they have good defensive backs they're expecting you know a lot from kool-aid mckinnistry they brought in eli ricks from lsu who we we, we know he's really good um you know there, there's just talent all over the defense like i legitimately think it has been the case that since Saban kind of embraced the big pass spread get the ball down the field rpo uh, move move offense that his defenses have taken steps back and Saban's a defensive guy and you've basically seen his his points per game go up from like you know his original national championship teams were like 14 and 15 and 17 like crazy numbers to now they're closer to the high 20s uh per game but they're scoring 42 right like they're they're you know they're scoring a lot more so they're giving up a lot more that just is the way it works when you run fast you give the other team more chances um, but this defense is really good like this is a chance to be 20 or sub 20 points per game type defense even with the amount that they're going to throw the ball and and be quick and 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 score fast um and and create more possessions for the other teams like this is a really good unit i don't really know where you attack it again i'm hoping our strength of our offensive line being run blocking our strength of our team being getting the ball in Bijan's hands though i i think just having him run you know between center and guard is not necessarily what we should do 40 times like there's got to be some scheme involved but i really do think getting the ball in his hands however it is is our most effective weapon I, of course i'm excited to see our receivers i'm excited to see whittington and x because i think they have something to say right like let's not act like we are a uh you know a a a, a bottom 40 team in the country who who, who 
just doesn't you know this is a week two cupcake opponent for Alabama it's not right this is this is Texas there's some five stars on this roster there's a lot of talent there's playmakers there's guys who are proud guys who are all you know state all Americans they're gonna have something to say but I, I just truly don't know where you attack this defense. I think the advantage of a running back like B. John Robinson, and I think the advantage of what Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood like to run is that if you're running a zone scheme and you've got a back like B. John Robinson, you've got a chance to crack a play, whether it's four yards. And I talked about another, like B. John Robinson is the most boring five and a half yards a carry a game running back I've ever seen. And not as a shot at him, but like he makes five and a half yards a carry look pedestrian. And even against good defenses, he's done that. And so when you're running a zone scheme against this kind of defense, and it, you know, account it, you need to account for your offensive lineman being able to do that against these kind of guys. But if Bijan sees an inch, he's going to take a foot. And if Bijan sees a foot, he's going to take five. And if he sees five feet, he's going to take five yards. And so that is, I think, and Nick Saban talked about it in his press conference. You know, Bijan Robinson is a guy who can do everything. He's a guy that can do it all. Um, and so I think for Texas, like you said, getting Bijan into those zone schemes, those those uh, whether it's outside or inside zone, I'd probably go with inside zone. Maybe I don't know. There's kind of a pick your poison there on the inside outside because you're running outside zone then you got to deal with will anderson and dallas turner but if you're running inside then you have to deal with the rest of the bama defense so there's a pick your poison there but i think giving Bijan the opportunity to say see grass go grass in that kind of offense is going to be a big part of what texas tries to do early on and that can be advantageous and it's a way for texas to keep that alabama offense off the field and I think that is going to be, I'm not like the time of possession guy. I think time of possession is a garbage stat at this point in college football discourse. But I think if you want to shorten the game and you want to keep it close, then leaning on Bijan. And if Bijan has 20 carries a game, 20 carries in this game, then so be it. If that keeps it close for Texas, because in my mind, that's the best chance for Texas to win this game. And I'm not, this is not me being a, a doubting fan. I'm just thinking realistically and logistically. If you're going to run with Alabama, that's a losing prop, pro, proposition, and you're putting yourself in the crockpot. If you've ever heard of the crockpot game, the crockpot game is where it's seven, ten points for three quarters, and then all of a sudden it's 49 to four, 49 to 30 in the in the fourth quarter, and there's 10 minutes left on the clock, and all of a sudden it's getting out of hand. Trying to run and play a high-scoring game with Bama, in my mind, and again, maybe Sark has a different idea, but in my mind, because I think at the top end, I think Texas isn't super, like, Texas, Bama is Bama, right? But Texas has top end talent. But the differentiator for teams like Bama and Georgia and now Ohio State and those types of teams is that their twos are five stars and their threes are five stars. And so having to have fresh five-star legs in the fourth quarter going up against Bama is a losing prospect. And so if Texas can shorten this game and keep it close and have an opportunity, that's when a guy like Xavier Worthy says, you know what, I'll put the team on my back, Quinn, throw it up, I'm going to come down with it, damn, whoever's across from me. Like, that's when those opportunities can happen. That's how AM won that game last year. And that's how, in my mind, Texas can attack Alabama defensively. Slow the game down, put, put it on Bijan's shoulders. You've got nine running backs in that room that could carry the load. Just use them. <laughs> burn through all the legs, burn through the entire bullpen, shorten the game, and keep it close late, and see what happens. Yeah, and the other thing that I'm I'm curious to see is Texas, you know, the the slight ball handling from, you know, in the kicking game aside, did some really 
great things in, in week one in the special teams department. That is a phase of the game that historically Alabama wasn't the best at. Saban has kind of remedied that because he didn't like people being able to pick out. Uh, Gerald, what's the reference? The the point in the Death Star uh, where you can the exhaust port. Yes, the exhaust port in the Death Star. So Saban's closed that right. He's he's mitigated and, and put safeguards in place. Um, and and I'll just say right, Will Will Richard, their their kicker is NFL ready, right? Like he's missed like six in in, in two years. He was perfect his sophomore year. Um, didn't miss many, you know, his, his junior year. He's, he's going to be really good this year. He's NFL ready to go. I hope we see their punter, right? That means we stop them enough <laughs> in positions where they're not going for it. Um, he, he hasn't punted a lot. He did punt once uh, against uh, in week one, 51 yards, n- n- nothing to shake a stick at. Um, only 15 times last year did he punt. Um, but if he does come out, James Burnup is uh, amazing. He's an Aussie as well, um, except he's 6'6", 220 pounds um, of Aussie punt. Hunter, so I'm just excited. I hope we get to see him, um, and I hope we can block one of his punts or you know get a return on one of his punts. Right? Like I think special teams. If if Jeff Banks is the you know is going to be the throw the monkey wrench uh, into Saban's plans, I think that's poetic on like nine different levels. Um, so like let's let it like let's let Texas win this or or, or win the special teams of these three battles and, and make it interesting. Right? Like. Uh, Fingers crossed. I'm just. I'm not making a bold prediction here, but I would love to see that if Texas can do some things uh, in that phase of the game, because you know that that could really be a strength of this team this year. When you win a close game, it's got to come down to special teams. It comes down to that hidden yardage. It comes down to there's a big difference between starting a drive at the 20 and at the 30, right? That puts you in positive territory quicker. And so I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of opportunity. Again, I hate Xavier Worthy returning punts. That's just me because he's a skinny guy and I'm terrified he's going to shatter and get hit and die. And <laughs> we, Texas needs him. So I don't want that to happen. But uh, there's an opportunity there for Texas to flip the field and for to, to create those hidden yards, to create that search. When Texas has been good, they've created that. I think back to to the national championship years. They were blocking punts left and right. They were creating, Aaron Ross was creating massive flips of the field on punt returns. Michael Huff was doing incredible things in the return game. That's where uh, Texas has an opportunity to do a lot of it. And again, Texas can do that. And, and I talked about it already, but there's always in these games, like there's always four possible outcomes in a game, right? Like team A wins big, team A wins close, team B wins close, team B wins big. And in my mind, like, I don't think Texas is going to win big in this one. I would be shocked if Texas won big. I I will eat a hat next week if Texas wins big. I'll be happily. I'll deep fry it. I'll put some sriracha on it. Things will be great. <laughs> but in my mind, like for Texas, the, the biggest winning proposition is that Team B wins close. And again, that happens with special teams. That happens with the hidden yards. It happens in that third phase of the game. And Jeff Banks is a guy who's familiar with Alabama. Now, again, Alabama's familiar with Jeff Banks, too. So the reverse is also true, but there's an opportunity for them to hopefully scheme up some things in that phase of the game to create some momentum. So, Tile, it's time for Pod Stradamus picks for Alabama, the most dangerous Pod Stradamus of the year. <laughs> what is your first Pod Stradamus pick of the year? 700 yards for Texas offense. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think legitimately that Texas is going to need every yard they could get. And I think when you need to get yards, you go to your 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 workhorse, you go to your main man. So I think Bijan Robinson will get triple digits, uh, total yardage. He he did in the uh, the opener 
uh, through both the air and the ground. And I think a big part of Bijan being that safety valve for Quinn Ewers, uh, just being on the field, being all over is going to is going to help with what we want to do. So I think he'll get uh, 100 yards and a score. I think he's going to get triple digits and a score. Okay. So my first Padre Thomas pick goes well in line with yours. So uh, Bijan Robinson has gone over 20 carries twice in his career at Texas, once against TCU, 35 carries, and once against Oklahoma State, 21 carries. I think Bijan is going to hit 25 carries against Alabama. I think, again, when you've got – you go back to um, – Go back to Daryl Carroll and dance with the one that brung you. I think Texas is going to dance with Bijan a lot in this in this uh, game, and I think twenty five carries for the stud in the backfield. Kyle, what is your second Pod Stradamus pick? Maybe it was just the excitement of seeing Jamison take that ball and take off with it and, and get all the way to the end zone. I think the Alabama passing game is really good. I think you're talking about the reigning Heisman winner, but I do think that he's very confident in his abilities, and usually that's right. But I do think that there's going to be a ball put up or maybe a ball put on the ground, but Texas defense is going to get a takeaway, and I think that's going to be important. When you talk about flipping the field, I think if they can win the turnover battle, great. But I think they're going to get a takeaway uh, this week. I like it. I like it. And mine, again, uh, I think if yours happens, mine may happen as well. But I am in the camp that I think if Texas is going to win this game, they're going to have to generate points, not just on offense. And so I've got Texas uh, with a non-offensive touchdown in this game, whether it's a defensive touchdown, whether it's a special teams touchdown, blocked punt, returned punt, whatever. But I think Texas comes with a non-offensive touchdown in this game. I like it. I like it. That would be big. That will be the type of thing. That makes Vegas crazy. And again, a lot of our Potsdamas predictions are because we we make them through the lens of if Texas wins this game. But again, we're excited to have it. So that's it. So we'll be back on Saturday after the game. We'll have our live stream. We'll throw that up in the podcast feed as well. And then we'll be back on Tuesday with a full recap in your earbuds. All right, Gerald, let's take a quick look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. Uh, we'll run through a couple sports here. Some, uh, some good... Information I'm happy to share with our listeners. Men's golf. Travis Vick named to the Fred Haskins Award preseason watch list. You remember uh, the bucket hat bandit uh, Travis Vick from last year's national championship team. The three-time All-American in 2022 U.S. Open low amateurs. One of 25 named to this prestigious award watch list. Yeah, I mean, three-time All-American. Like, he's he's... If Texas is going to repeat, he's the guy who's going to have a big year, and and I think if he's if he wins the Fred Haskins, Texas has had the kind of year that they need to have to repeat. It's kind of like the old Ricky Williams quote, like if I'm winning the if I win the Heisman, then I've done the things we need to do to win a national championship. I think the same thing happens with Travis Vick here. If he wins and is competitive for the Haskins, then I think Texas golf has done enough to to compete for a national championship. He's the guy who went goes from being behind two Cootie brothers and Cole Hammer, the super experienced, to now he's the guy. So let's see how he shines. Also on the women's side, Bo Park named to the Annika preseason watch list, the similar award on the women's side, uh, one of 25 finalists for the top award for uh, college women's golf. I mean, she, you know, she's still relatively early in her career. I think she's a junior, right? But she was an All-American a year ago. Uh, the go- the women's golf team has an opportunity to rebound. You know, they. I feel like the golf teams maybe trade years. Where it's like two years ago was the ladies. This last year was the men. <laughs> so maybe she's going to lead them to a national championship. If if Texas keeps alternating golf national championships here from here until the rest of the eternity, I'm totally fine with it. 
they were young last year. They they and they were disappointed with a 17th place finish uh, at nationals, but won the Big 12 tournament. If they can do that again and get back in to the nationals, see what they can do. I think Bo Park will be a huge part of that. So some new and slash old uh, faces on the diamond. Baseball adds Cameron Rock who you probably remember uh, Mr. Rupp and Chris Gordon to their staff. Rupp will be, uh, excuse me, a student assistant. Um, If you are of about mine and Gerald's vintage, you remember him (laughs) very well. Um, Multi-year starter uh, on that 2009 College World Series runner-up team. He was all tournament team that time, all Big 12 multiple time. Um, One of the best catchers in school history. Um, Excited to see him back. Yeah, I mean, Texas is going to need to break in a new catcher this year, so it's a good position to be in to have a, uh, you know, a, a one a guy who you kind of could argue is one of the better ones of the last twenty years or so uh, to be able to to help usher that guy in and just spend a lot of time, especially as a student assistant, right? Like you can kind of use their hours uh, or you can use their skills more pointedly, I think, than your your paid staff. So having him just kind of sit with whoever the new the guy is behind plate uh, is going to be a big win for Texas. Yeah, having to replace Silas, who was kind of the uh, the anchor, the the calming presence uh, on that team, will be interesting. Rupp certainly makes it good. I d- didn't love the uh, the Photoshop when they announced it. They could very clearly took a picture of him in a Phillies hat and tried to make <laughs> kind of a slightly off shade of burnt orange and, and threw a block T on there, which was about eighty percent as large as it should have did, been, and it just looked weird. Did but they anyways. have trouble finding a picture of him in a Texas hat? Like, I feel like that's probably pretty pretty easy. I think they wanted like a current, like maybe. I mean, he looks pretty similar to Bean, but maybe you know he's got a little more facial hair now. If, I don't. If know, you're gonna do they, a bad Photoshop, don't change a Phillies hat. Just add a beard to his 21 year old headshot. <laughs> I, I actually like that. Uh, again, we know uh, all the Texas social media listen to this podcast. Bring Gerald in for not execution, but ideas. Um, the other coach joining, as I mentioned, uh, who will actually be um, uh, pay, on the staff is Chris Gordon, who will be the coordinator of hitting and pitching development. He's uh, elevated last year to Duke's pitching coach um, after uh, being an an assistant on that staff. Previously, he's uh, led the the Blue Devils to the 2021 ACC Tournament Championship, their first in school history. Duke's pitching staff set a record in 21, broke it in 22 uh, for strikeouts per nine. They were third uh, in, in the country in strikeouts per walk. Just a team that was you know, success was based on having some really good arms. And so it makes sense, right? When you're replacing a lot of staff as coach Pierce is doing, bringing a guy uh, who's done it against an ACC is a, is a pretty good baseball conference, right? It's it, the big 12 and sec are elite. And I'd probably throw an ACC right there in third uh, behind them with uh, you know, a couple teams every year who make tournament runs. Again, Texas needed a change at pitching coach. I, I, it's weird to let go of a guy who won a assistant coach of the year, you know, two years ago, but it's clear that something wasn't clicking. Something was regressing. I'm not sure what. And so hopefully, uh, you know, coach Gordon can come in and, and help write the ship because there's no excuse for a team like Texas with the arms that Texas has in the bullpen to not have relievers, to have that kind of meltdown that they've had. So I'm very curious to see how, what he could do uh, and see if he can repeat his success from what he did at Duke. Yeah, and speaking of, Gerald, you mentioned assistant coaches of the year. Pete Watson, who was the reigning assistant coach of the year last year, uh, he was the head coach during cross-country season and then would be an assistant for the distant runs, distance runs to Coach Floreal. 
uh, during you know the the proper track season. He's taking the head coach job, so he will instead of being a coach of cross country uh, as one of the best co- cross country coaches in, in in the country without a doubt, will become the director of that program at Boston College, uh, the official head coach. Um, four years at UT, won some awards. Really, I mean, I've was was researching when when this news came out on some of the uh, cross country and 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 distance running blogs who were very invested in this and said Texas had, you know, probably an argument, if not outright, the best middle distance uh, program in the country last year. So, you know, and that a lot of that is with um, Pete Watson shaping that. Um, but how do you replace that? Will you go out and get an incredibly experienced guy in Greg Metcalf, very late uh, addition. Usually these things happen in the summer. He's coming, uh, right, as, as cross-country is is opening their season. Um, but Greg Metcalf will step in in that assistant coach role covering uh, cross-country and distance. Clearly it didn't hurt them at that, that Tornado Classic or a Stormwatch Classic uh, tournament because they did okay in that. So I think, um, again, Floreal is an incredible coach, and I think incredible coaches know incredible coaches, and so I think his ability to hire, I, I, I do not doubt his ability to find a great replacement for a second. So I'm excited to see uh, if Coach Metcalf can take the cross-country team to the next level because they've been good, and I think there's a lot of athletes on that, on that squad that could be great. Uh, yeah, and, and and Metcalf getting him from UW, right? He was an All American there as a runner, and then a head coach for twenty years there, right? Like getting him to leave clearly. Uh, Floriel had some big things that he uh, promised him, and, and and a big vision for what's to come. Um, we'll close out the burn orange lenses with a bit of uh, forward looking Longhorns on the NFL as we kick off the NFL season. Uh, I was trying to do a, a, an exact count. I believe it's twenty. Nine, I think, you know, unless some people sign, right, uh, it may get up in the 30s. But 28, 29 is probably about where we're at as we're recording uh, this for Longhorns on NFL rosters, which is a great, great number, right, is the 53-man roster deadline passed uh, earlier this week. Um, that is just fantastic. Um, one of the, the top uh, talent producers in the league this year um, for for uh, most players on NFL rosters, which is great. Um, a lot of these guys are old, but I'll just do a quick run through. Two quarterbacks, Colton Sam. Uh, Sam keeping three quarterbacks basically, or Indy keeping three quarterbacks basically because Sam earned it. They were going to do two, and he just preseasoned his way on there. Only one running back currently, and that could change if anyone signs, but Carolina has Dante Foreman. Um, three wide receivers, Devin DuVernay at Baltimore, Colin Johnson in New York. Giants, Marquise Goodwin, still making it there uh, out in Seattle. Um, well-paid uh, journeyman. He's he's uh, came to school on a track scholarship and has crafted a nice uh, NFL career for himself. They will have uh, three offensive linemen in Calvin Anderson in Denver, Connor Williams in Miami, Sam Cosme in Washington. Uh, two tight ends, or I guess H-back tight end with Andrew Beck in Denver, Jeff Swaim, a proper tight end in Tennessee. Um, defensive line, quite a few. who TQ Graham, many who's in San Francisco now, Graham in Atlanta, Joseph Osai, hoping he gets healthy for Cincinnati this year. Puna Ford up in Seattle, of course. Uh, San Ridgeway also in San Francisco there with Amenahu, uh Roach in New Orleans. Uh, and then Jordan Hicks is the one linebacker. He's made his way to Minnesota uh, to play with Chris Boyd. Uh, and then a couple safeties for sure is where we have, I believe, the, the most. Adrian Phillips in New England, Brandon Jones in Miami, P.J. Locke in Denver, Caden Stearns also in Denver, Deshaun Elliott in Detroit. If he can stay healthy, I think he can uh, he can do some things there. Brendan Schooler in New England, Quandre the Giant, uh, a man who got paid and uh, also up there in Seattle. And then 
Justin Tucker, Michael Dixon, Seattle, and Baltimore specialists. Uh, Malik Jefferson's a guy. There's some others who, you know, um, could be on the cusp of rosters, uh, but uh, a lot, and I'm excited to watch on Sundays. All right, Gerald, let's kick it over to our closing segment, Godzilla Tron. What have you been watching on your giant screen? I know you've all been waiting for this update, but we finished the uh, Hotel Transylvania quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Um, They had a different writer and director for the fourth one, and it was fine. Uh, Adam Sandler didn't come back to to voice Dracula, so that was a little bit weird for us. My kid didn't notice, but I for sure noticed. Like He was trying to do Adam Sandler, but couldn't quite do Adam Sandler. But they're fun, dumb little kids' movies. They were all free to stream. My kid had a blast. He keeps wanting to watch them. Uh, So I can't complain too much. There was a lot of football to watch this last weekend, so we didn't get a ton of time uh, to stream. But we did, again, catch up, uh, keep keep up with House of the Dragon. And it was uh, continues to be uh, what Game of Thrones was when it was really good. And I'm very, very happy to uh, watch it. My wife and I are fixing to dive in um, tomorrow night on Friday night uh, on the uh, first two episodes of Lord of the Rings. And we're super excited to uh, watch that one as well. So we are uh, officially now caught up of House of Dragons. Excited to be allowed back in the group chat, Gerald. Um, But uh, my wife and I over the long weekend caught up in time to watch this third episode live. You should definitely check it out. If you're on the fence, um, you should absolutely have watched Game of Thrones. I guess you could enjoy it without that, but really you should watch that first. Um, but it's good. It's excited. I I'm, I'm feel like I'm rooting for the bad guy here, but I'm, I'm so far team Damon Targaryen, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good. And I think it's going to get better is my, is my thought. I think it's, it's, you know, second episodes like, um, like, like second seasons or, uh, you know, second sons to be on theme, uh, always tough, uh, you know, to, 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 propel you have to do a little level setting mm. um so the third episode moved things forward a little bit um thought that was good i'm, I'm in um and then gerald I, i'm ahead of you on this one my wife and i also finish only murders uh in the building season two i just love steve martin i think martin short has gotten the most guffaws uh from both my wife and i, I think that's the like the most uh punch punch lines uh per word oh, yeah. um he just his character is ridiculous, but Selena Gomez is also great in it. Uh, they tease. I won't give anything away, Gerald. I know you're not fully caught up. Tease season three. It looks like at the end of season two with a little bit of, of what the next uh, thing might be. I wonder how many times they could keep teasing this forward. But, like, I'm not getting too bogged down in the reality of it. It's just a fun popcorn watch. And then, Gerald, I do have a question. This is important to me. Where do you stand on Smash... Um, I don't know, what are we, 1998 uh, cinematic masterpiece, Armageddon? Man, that's a tough one. I um, I think Armageddon was good for the popcorn, but I think it doesn't hold up. I think of the two asteroid-related films, I prefer Deep Impact. I think it was a better movie, but not as fun to watch. There's a lot of nuance to this conversation that you probably weren't anticipating. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's perfectly fair. I had, I had, it was one of those things my wife said she'd never watched, uh, and I was just like, "What? Yeah, how?" And it doesn't stream uh, on anything for free, and so we just haven't watched it. I have a DVD somewhere of it, but I've moved a couple times and I can't find it. Um, but I hadn't seen it in probably a decade. But I had seen it in college age and and before, like many times. Like let's call it six to eight maybe even double digit times. I've seen that movie a lot. I think it's hilarious. I think the music in it's great. Uh, I think some of the characters though, absolutely ridiculous are great. Um, it's cheesy. 
Yes. And I actually cried again when Liv Tyler has a conversation with Bruce Willis because it's if you just like buy in and you really watch it, that's an incredibly emotional scene with the father and the fiance and the sacrifice and the last conversation. I mean, it's emotional. Um, but my wife is just laughing. She's like, "Are you? This actually did something for you? This you? you this was <laughs> okay? You're like, you're, all right." She thought I was kidding. Um, she just couldn't get over how like schlocky and how the CGI hasn't held up and how the which a Michael Mann film that's the, the tough critique how the the story is just ridiculous um, and and far fetched and she would you know call out very obvious plot holes and it's like okay I get it it it, it really doesn't hold up but it was still a fun watch like. I probably won't go back to it anytime soon, but I'm not upset that I did it. So that my final uh, Godzillatron was a bit of Armageddon. If you haven't seen that movie in a while and you're willing to truly just buy in and let it wash over you, it is still a good hang. I liked. I have a lot of random quotes in my repertoire that not a ton of people get, and, and Armageddon is the culprit for one of them. Anytime a DIY project starts to go sideways and I have to rig something, I drop a this is how you fix problems on the Russian space station. And like that is one of my it's such a dumb line and Peter Stormare is doing a terrible Russian accent, but it fits the situation. It's the perfect quote. Nobody gets it, and it's just obscure enough for my wife to ask me to explain it every time I do it, which makes it perfect husband. <laughs> that's actually that's a great place to end this on, because that's as good as it gets. He, he I I forgot how much I enjoyed him as a truly one note ridiculous like addition to the cast uh halfway through the movie like he's amazing in his limited run just absolutely out there chucking up three pointers in his five minutes a game i love it he's a high volume shooter and it was great that's i'm so happy to hear that that's that is that is a geraldism and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. Colt McCoy would have won that national championship. <laughs>